Accomplishment Coaching is proud to present the following fine programming. Accomplishment Coaching, where coaches lead and leaders coach. AccomplishmentCoaching.com. Welcome to The Coaching Show with your host, Master Certified Coach, Christopher McCollum. Well, thank you and welcome, dear listener, to another edition of The Coaching Show. My name is Christopher McCollum, Master Certified Coach. Here as I am each and every week, it's kind of like you follow me around with Alex Terranova, Professional Certified Coach. Alex, uh, here's the thing. We often do this little thing. We do a little banter. We talk about our lives. I don't think that's interesting. Just hit us with the most powerful, most righteous, most useful thing you've got today. Just let us have it, man. <laughs> uh, man, uh, I I didn't know I was going to be put on the spot like this. I, I distracted I, you with the cardigan. I, didn't I, I feel like totally taken out. You're dressed like Mr. Rogers. I that's like. Right. I feel very soothed and comfortable with you right now. And, um, then, I, and then I gave you the whammy. It's a coaching tool. I know. I know. See, and now we're back in the banter. Um, okay. This is what I got for you. I just went on two bachelor parties in the period of three weeks. Wow. And one was to Vegas and one was to Nashville. And it wasn't what I thought. Neither one was really what I thought they were going to be. And doing bachelor parties as a transformed man who's conscious and working on himself it just wasn't you have to leave it i actually one of them i did leave and the other one i just ate myself so sick that i was like uncomfortable the whole time (laughs) um but you know i I thought back to when i was in my 20s and i had this vision of what my bachelor party would be like and i remembered that and now i'm sitting here at at almost 40 going i don't think i would want a bachelor party because i don't think i would want to have a weekend where I ruin my life and have to create secrets that I have to hide from the person that I'm choosing to spend my life with. Yeah. Here's what I want to say. I was a, I was a best man one time, one time, one time and kind of everywhere I go, but the, uh, the, so I arranged for a certain type of actual party because I believe that I was in my twenties or early thirties. And then uh, the groom told me on the day of that he didn't want that type of actual party. He's like, no, I don't want to do all that stuff. And I had spent some money and made some arrangements. You know what I mean? So then what do you do? Do you like send everybody else and you like take the groom to the library? I'm not sure. There was a debate on who, I mean, look, I think this, this conversation is very relevant because from an ontological, from a, from an awareness standpoint, not the, like what you did, but I think it is very, the, the bachelor party itself, or maybe even the bachelorette party is a really interesting tradition. It's like, what's it for? And who are people being about it? I think that's a, there's some coaching, cool coaching stuff in there, but most people that are having their bachelor parties don't want to have that conversation. You'll get asked to leave. If you're like, is this really, is this behavior serving you? (laughs) Now uh, we've, we've opened with, with at least something more interesting than our childish banter back and forth, but let's get our, let's get our guest in here. What do you say? Let's just shake it up a little bit and just invite him in right at the beginning, because we know this guy's going to have something to say about uh, these traditions of uh, bachelor, bachelorette, uh, whatever the non-gender specific uh, term for that celebration is prior to a to a ritual. Uh, Jonathan Pritchard is a highly sought after consultant and speaker known as the million dollar mind reader. He's a founder of an international consulting company, which has trained teams to improve their sales, negotiation and presentation skills on six of seven continents. He uses applied psychology on stage in Vegas, on TV and online 
which gives him an edge in leadership and offstage as well. He's the author of several books focused on psychology, motivation, self-improvement, and more. Uh, currently joining us, are you, look around outside, are you in Asheville today, Asheville, North Carolina? I am. I am. That was a fantastic intro. I got a lot to live up to. <laughs> you really do. So so let's talk about, uh, first of all, do you want to jump in on this or do you want to uh, discreetly remove yourself from the discussion about these traditions like bachelor or bachelorette parties? Well, I have had the honor of two bachelor parties. The first one, I was with my dad, her grandpa and dad and my brother <laughs> at a Zaxby's chicken. So that's that was my first one. Uh, it was about just great training for marriage right there. Yeah, it was about as wild as you would expect, which is not at all. And and then that that marriage uh, ran its course. And then I got recently married in April. Uh, so not too long ago from from this recording. And uh, the the evening before, I don't I don't even remember what I did. I probably watched some Netflix Um but yeah, I, I enjoyed it that way because I'm I'm kind of like you, Alex, which is I don't want to start a, a partnership with secrets. And it's kind of weird considering my line of work, but I actually don't like lying. It's it's really difficult and you don't want to get a reputation for it, either being good at it or bad. Right. So, yeah, being upfront and honest and clear about your intentions and what you're going to do. It's it's amazing what you can live if you live honestly about it. Most people think they need to lie to have the life that they imagine. And that that bachelor party is the escape valve for all that pent up frustration. And it's just that socially sanctioned. Well, last day being single. And it was like, wait, so you haven't met your spouse yet? Like, <laughs> you are are you single? Like, uh, I don't know. This this tomorrow should just be the next day in a continuing relationship. It, I don't I don't like that kind of legalistic. Well, I'm not married, so this is OK. Hiding behind the letter of the law is usually the the lowest form of morality you could possibly imagine. I, I felt like I, I noticed that there was a, or that I've seen that, you know, I've been to a handful of bachelor parties, but maybe these are the first two since I've actually, let's just say, become aware of how I behaved and, and the things I say and what I do. And I noticed that there's either two, there's two dynamics of it. You either go to the X rated wild inappropriate, you know, like I should, I don't even want to say inappropriate. I don't want to judge anyone, but, but the far extreme of wildness and chaos where maybe there's some secrets and maybe people do some things that, you know, they may have not otherwise done in their normal life. Or there's the, the example that you each shared kind of an example of where the bachelor was like, Hey, I'm not looking for that. Uh, let's keep it like clean. And then you end up basically at like a 15 year old's birthday party and they, but but there are these this extreme, which I think is interesting that it either swings one or the other. There's not a middle ground, but the whole ritual of it is seems odd to me. And, and then it made me think about all the rituals we have that we seem to make up for some escape valve. And you brought that up just now. Escape valves that we have. Are there do you notice that? Like, is that a like you say you're in Vegas a lot speaking on stages so you get to see people using their escape valves? 
Exactly. And I like to think that I help channel that energy in a good direction. And that's what a good hypnotist does. I'm friends with a lot of stage hypnotists and performers, not the clinical actually licensed to help people. I'm more friends with the carnies <laughs> and circus trash. That That's my my level. So those guys are setting up a social dynamic to reward stepping outside of your normal. This is how I behave kind of cage and then just giving them that permission to be wacky with the plausible deniability. The hypnotist made me do it. I wasn't in control. This this amazing mesmer ex expert made me do it. I'm not responsible for barking like a dog and clucking like a chicken. So you is as long as you have plausible deniability, you can get people to do a lot of wacky stuff and the, they'll thank you for it. I love that tie in between a hypnotist and our and our rituals and how we can basically blame it wasn't my fault. I got invited on this trip. Oh, you know, those bachelor parties, how they get. Yep, so, I understand. So, so I, we would we could go down this direction and be like, well, this is how we ended up in divorce and secrets. But let's talk about how you became a mind reader. Like, where see, I've been waiting. I've been waiting for your segue. I thought we were so far down this hall. But this no, no, this rabbit there's hole. no getting How out of you, that. Oh, this is easy. It's like, hey, what's the magic that has you still be married after the debauchery that you do in Vegas? Talking but, of segues. <laughs> <laughs> how does one, how does one become a professional mind reader like that's I don't think Christopher, I don't think you've have you ever interviewed or spoken with someone who was a professional mind reader? Uh, no, but I knew you were going to say that. So I'm halfway there. <laughs> there. There aren't that many of us out there in the world. There really are just a handful of people that do what I do in, in the way that I can do it at the level that it can be done. And in junior high, I, I was very shy. Right. That's that's kind of my confession, which is I was very shy. I'm still hyper introverted. I would much rather be at home by myself with my books than be out in a large group of people or go to a concert where I'm going to be smashed against a whole bunch of strangers. That is not my idea of fun. So my dirty secret is that I actually don't like being out and about. So. One of the weird things that I would do to entertain myself when I was in junior high is try to script what my friends would say tomorrow. It, it, it would be easy to get the, hey, good morning. Oh, good morning. Then they're going to say that. And then what are they going to ask me after that? Hey, what did you do yesterday? So then I'm going to say this. And then I bet that they're going to say that. And I would build this whole idea of what I thought the conversation would be. And then it started getting farther and farther into the conversation that I could have a reasonable expectation of the broad strokes of what we're going to be talking about. And that was kind of the crack in the matrix that helped me see into, wait a minute, you can actually have a pretty good degree of of confidence of what somebody's going to talk about given the proper framework 
of where that interaction is. So that led me to magic tricks and magicians and beginner magic books. And I started being more interested in the mind reading tricks. And that seemed to deeply affect people. A 13-year-old kid who can tell you the, the name of your first pet, like that's terrifying. And that was deeply fascinating to me of how unsettling it is to tell people stuff they already know. Like I'm not revealing anything they didn't already know. It's just that another person knows it is scary as all get out. And then that leads you down another rabbit hole of understanding that we are trapped in our own minds, our own experience from birth to death. We're never really sure that anybody else can understand us. Then here comes a mind reader that goes, you're thinking about this, this and this. And you feel seen for the first time in your life, which is why a lot of people just start crying in even my entertainment show. Mm -hmm. They're they're just so taken aback and it is a really powerful experience. So, yeah, it was just a endless fascination with how people think, why they decide to do what they do. And then seeing the underlying code that runs the whole operating system that is a human mind, then you get to be able to do things that most people think is impossible. But for me, that's just another day in the office. Right. And this is the connection now, because I think people are, you know, first of all, Alex and I are both sitting here like, oh, like everybody at all of your shows. Oh, do me, do me, do me. Right. But um, but. What I'm interested in is, you know, there are also listeners going, what does this have to do with coaching? But I can start to see a thread from what you last said to leadership and and coaching. What uh, will you make that thread more clear for? Absolutely. I. I'm going to take a weird left turn and come back. I promise this is all connected, which is that I have a completely rational, virulent hatred for motivational speakers. I hate them like with an unholy passion. I think they're fraudsters, tricksters that are accepting money without being able to deliver the goods because you can't deliver motivation to anybody. It's an emotional experience. You can help create the emotion of being motivated. But nothing great in this world has ever been accomplished because I felt motivated. It's consistent effort through time applied strategically to create the outcomes that you want. So getting results get you motivated. And that's what keeps you going. So here come these motivational speakers who are rah-rah cheerleaders that will take $20,000 to go talk to a team, get them all hyped up, leave a week later, they're right back to where they started without that feeling of being motivated. So now they're right back at square one. The motivational speaker is $20,000 richer. The team hasn't been empowered with anything. So that's why, to me, it's a big fraud. So the secret is that everybody is motivated for their own reasons. And as a leader, you have to do the hard work of being able to crawl inside their head to see what it is that motivates them to show up to work every day. What is it that the job helps them pay for? 
the piano lessons, ice skating lessons, that dream vacation. What is it that keeps them showing up to work every day? And you need to be able to know what that is through building enough trust with that person. And the way to build that trust is to communicate that I understand you and I'm not going to punish you for your honesty. If you tell me that this job is just a job to pay the bills, cool. I don't need this to be your identity. I don't need this to be your your crusade. You know what? Just showing up and and getting a paycheck is fine by me because doing a great job is how you earn that paycheck to get what's motivating you in the first place. So you have to be able to read somebody's mind. And the best way for a muggle to do that is to ask them what they're thinking. And the only way you're going to get the truth is if they trust you with truth, which is one of the most risky things on the planet, which is what ties us right back to those rituals of the bachelor party of not being able to trust your spouse with the truth of what you've decided to do. Therefore, you're going to lie and that undermines the quality of connection that you're going to have. So everybody wants to be a mind reader. Nobody's willing to be trusted with the truth. And that's why we all just wind up lying to each other. Beautiful. I uh, I hear a few different things in there that I want to tease out. One is it it tells me as an employer, as a person who's leading my own organization, that I need to be prepared to reward people in different ways. You know, giving everybody the, I don't know, what was the name of the chicken place? The gift certificates. Right. That- chicken place um, is not going to be the same, right? Some people are there for, you know, and they would appreciate going out with their sweetheart to get some chicken, but other people got totally different things. And so rewards need to be different. I love the point about the motivational speakers, although doesn't it argue for bringing the motivational speaker back each week for another $20,000? Yes, that is, that is why it's a great revenue model. (laughs) It's, it's fantastic. Show up, get paid to deliver nothing and then come back next week because it didn't take. What an amazing (laughs) grift. Like I, I wish I lacked the scruples to be a motivational (laughs) speaker. That would be great. Um, so where you left, sorry, I also want to point out that, uh, Alex Carney's and circus trash is an excellent title for your next album or next band. Um, I, I do like to tell people, I thought that listen, was going to be my autobiography, yeah, <laughs> right. I'm nice. just dressed up circus trash. That's, that's all, all I am. I learned how to eat fire when I was 13 years old. Like that's, that's my pedigree. That's, that's my legitimizer. It's like, I'm willing to do some really stupid stuff. The practice, the practice is the thing that's hard. Once you get it down, you're okay. I think. Exactly. It's All right. It's getting over the fear of I'm putting fire in my face. Like, yeah. Just, just do it. Physics will, will help you. All right. Alex, you want to ask all the secrets? There's so many uh, moments in this where I want to say things that I've been trained, that have been trained out of my system that I'm going, don't say that. Not anymore. Uh, <laughs> Well, I don't know that I want the secrets. I'm curious if we can actually, is this something that's done? Like, do you do this over Zoom? Can you read our minds? I I can and I do. The it's it is kind of a difficult thing because you know it's a two-way street, two-way kind of communication. But I, I like to walk you through a demonstration that actually is deeply terrifying once you understand its implications, but it's actually a really simple, simple thing, simple process. And if, if 
if you listening to this conversation right now, I'm, I'm speaking to you, podcast listener, in time, I don't know when this is for you. If you're driving, please don't do this. And if you want to do this later, don't continue listening. Actually, pause until you're in a place where you, you're not operating heavy machinery. So with those disclaimers. Are we going to be hypnotized? No, no, you're not going to be hypnotized. You'll just see why you you shouldn't do this while driving, because I'm going to ask you to help out with your cell phones. So take out your cell phone, uh, put it face down on the desk. Right, right, right. So that way you're you're not looking at it quite yet, because there's a really interesting thing to me about perception and awareness. Those are two very different things. And most people think that our minds are information sponges that are trying to absorb everything when really our minds are actively filtering out most of our information. And this kind of shows you because the the math adds up to something like we look at our home screen a couple hundred times a day as we're checking our phones and swapping between apps. So some some lingo is that there's the lock screen, then you unlock your phone, and now you're looking at your home screen. I want you to think about your home screen, your main one. And in the upper left-hand corner, there's either a widget or an icon or a folder. There's something that is there that you've already seen a hundred times today. So I want you to imagine what that is and commit to, I think it's this. And in just a moment, but not quite yet, in just a moment, I want you to pick up the phone, light it up, unlock it, check, lock the phone again, and then put it face down on the desk. Now, just so so you know, um, most, most guys don't do as well as most women do, so good luck, fellas, here on the call. Um, but here we go. One, two, three. Check for it. All right. And you put it down and did you get it right or 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 did you miss it? I got it right. How about you? No, I, would, I actually had no idea what it was. So did you even try to see what it was, Alex? Well, I mean, I looked when I opened, but I, I thought about I had, I had zero clue what what that widget or app was. Right. So, so Alex, you're in about the 60 percent of people who actually get it wrong or had no clue to begin with, yeah. which to me is just fascinating that you're seeing again and again and again. And you're not even aware of it. Story then, of my life. And then, Christopher, you you nailed <laughs> it. You got it correct for both of you. Here's the second layer to this. Whether it's iPhone, uh, unless there's a very, very small handful where this doesn't hold true, but 99% of the time it does. Or if you have Android, when you lit up your phone to the lock screen, you both saw exactly what time it is. So without checking, were you aware of what time you saw on your phone? Not at all. So if I had said I would give you a million dollars if you could tell me exactly what time it is, that would have been extraordinarily valuable information that you didn't notice. Right. Right. So that is a demonstration of how your values dictate what you're aware of. So I created this 
incentive of, oh, yeah, nobody knows what's in the upper left hand corner. And you now orient your awareness to the goal. And now your pre-awareness mind filters out anything that is not important to that end goal. Mm. That is a terrifying thing to understand because it happens every single second of every single day you've ever been alive. So you can see answers, you can see solutions, you can see opportunities, but if it doesn't fit your value structure of what you expect to see, then you're going to ignore it. So in the context of my entertainment show, I do that for fun and I involve participants kind of like having you guys help out and run through those kinds of experiences. But the deeper levels of it are really unsettling of what it means for your day-to-day life. And I also hear that just as an individual, like the thought I just had was I could actually use that to my advantage, right? I could, I could tailor, instead of saying, Hey, the app on the top left corner is important for me to go check and see, I could say things that are important for me to pay attention to. And like essentially wake up every day and program my mind to look for the thing, like, I don't know, opportunities in some way. Exactly. Because most people aren't even aware that that process exists. They don't know that that's how the mind works. So they don't understand the consequences of letting it run on autopilot. So you first have to understand how this system is working before you could ever reach that understanding that, wait a minute, I can put it to work for myself in a different direction than what I've just let it do based on the programming I got when I was a kid. So you're right. You can direct it and get more and more comfortable with being more intentional of it. There's a what the Zen kind of thing of don't mistake awareness for understanding and don't mistake understanding for liberation. So even knowing that it works, you're still at its mercy and it takes a lot of conscious effort in order to put it to work to your own intentions. It's really now I can see the the clear connection because as coaches and people even in leadership, we're constantly up against other people's, I'm going to call them automatic decision-making, right? What this, what you've demonstrated today is that we've got filters and we'll almost always go to the same place. For example, the reason I knew what was in my upper left corner is because I intentionally put it there because it's the thing I use the most and I was tired of hunting for it, you know? So I'm like, it's going to put up higher here. But, you know, and Alex obviously is, is doing something different. Likewise, both of us miss the time. So I'm thinking, Alex, about all the, all the clients I've got who want to change how they interact with their loved ones, who want to change their you know, daily routine. And this is exactly what we're up against. Is that, is that what you're hearing? The automatics? Yeah, I was thinking about how um, the first thing that came to me is opportunities. That if you have your mind like programmed to look for opportunities, then you'll find them or see them. And someone who has their mindset to like, oh, everything that's everything in this world is crappy and stuff always goes wrong, then that's what they're going to see. 
uh, and to your point, right, Christopher, you designed your phone to be top left. Mine is bottom right because that's I I hold my hand in my right hand and I and my thumb is naturally to the bottom right. Now, do I know exactly what apps are there? No, but I know that they're the ones that I use the most. Um, but to the to the point, it's not important to me, right? I don't do it with my eyes closed, so I don't need to have it memorized. But I I love that that I I can see this playing out as I prior to doing my coach training seven years ago and met learning to meditate and do all these things. My auto default was I came from a family that looked for what was wrong or the bad thing that was going to happen next. So I was out there in the world default finding those things, right? That's a kind of miserable place to live. And now I'm walking around going, I, I, it, this actually came up at this bachelor party. One of my brothers said to me, I heard you say the other day, that uh, life always works out for you. And he goes, when I first heard it, I thought it was like the most privileged, you know, like kind of asinine comment. And then he goes, and then I thought about it and he, and he goes, and I, it's kind of true. He goes, looking at your life, it kind of does. And I go, yeah, but the thing is it does because that's how I choose to see it. So even when something bad happens, which it does, you know, I get in a car accident and I go, Ooh, what's coming around the bend? What's the good thing that's coming around the bend after this? What did this lead me to? And that's the reprogramming the brain that I hear Jonathan really speaking to. Tired of presentations with no impact, no inspiration, and no traction? Did dull speakers have you and your team disengaged and distracted by smartphones? Christopher McAuliffe brings energy, insights, and two decades of experience delivered with punch, humor, and heart. Your team will leave energized, uplifted, and with a sense of purpose. Visit ChristopherMcAuliffe.com to bring some heat to your next speaking engagement. M-C-A-U-L-I-F-F-E. ChristopherMcAuliffe.com. Are you seeking to change your career to something that is both fulfilling and challenging? Do you want to help people reach their full potential and strive to achieve their dreams? Would you like to inspire those around you and help create a better world? If you're serious about a career change or just want to explore the craft of personal coaching, contact Accomplishment Coaching with locations across the country in Washington, D.C., Seattle, Chicago, New York City, and San Diego. Accomplishment Coaching is the leading institution in personal coaching. Our staff carefully monitors the entire program live during the training process and have met the strict standards of ICF International to achieve accreditation. Through a focus on quality instruction rather than endless modules of training, Accomplishment Coaching will guide you from your very first step all the way to becoming one of the finest coaches in the world. Visit AccomplishmentCoaching.com to learn more. Accomplishment Coaching, where coaches lead and leaders coach. Christopher McAuliffe is your source for the latest in the world of personal coaching. Whether it be speaking with such luminaries as Deepak Chopra or getting the newest techniques and innovation, The Coaching Show is always on the cutting edge of what's happening now. The Coaching Show is brought to you by Accomplishment Coaching, home of the world's finest coach training program. Here is Christopher McAuliffe, Master Certified Coach. Right. And we could predict, Jonathan, I can read his mind, and I can tell you that it's leading to a date with the top who uh, helped him with the accident. Yeah. Um, not anymore. You know, I, I'm, I got locked down, you know, this Tulum experiment, you know, I, I, there's no more dates, Christopher. We will have to catch up on that a whole nother episode, but maybe Jonathan could read my mind and tell me. <laughs> oh, it would be valuable if I could predict the future. That would be really <laughs> handy. That'd be a lot more useful than mind reading. Just really the lottery numbers. That's all we need. Um, just once. 
So it feels like we've sort of buried the lead here because uh, you're famous, you're internet famous and and broadcast TV famous as well as Vegas famous. What so so you shared a little bit about you know sort of how you started. Let's look at the other end. So you've been on big TV shows, America's Got Talent, right? People just, uh, people right now immediately go to your browser and search Jonathan Pritchard and you'll and, find- and you, you, you won't, you won't find it. There, there are a couple seconds worth that made it to air. Yeah, I found, uh, I found some. Yeah, so it's, it's very, very sparse of, of what you could find and welcome to showbiz. But the biggest thing that ever happened in your career and oh yeah, it's, it's not gonna- make it <laughs> the whole thing to, to air. You're like, ah, dang it. Well, yeah. tell us about, tell us about that. And so you got a call and you presumably do some auditioning or something, and then you get the call. You're going to America's got talent, for example. Mm -hmm. Right. What happens? A lot. Uh, <laughs> for me, my, my experience is a little different. And I, the meta conversation here is that, America's Got Talent is reality television show that everything that you see is technically a game show. So it actually happens. What you see happen happened. The context, however, might have been different. The sequence might have been different. The reactions for this might have been for a different performer. But this reaction wow. shot makes more sense to this performer within the narrative arc of this episode. And like many game shows, there's multiple takes, multiple things. I'm imagining there are some times that the pet tricks don't want to work and you have to do them 75 times or something. Right. Right. So. So even though what you're seeing is real, it isn't. And that gets into some really weird meta meta conversations about uh, television is not real. If it's anything within the border of your TV is just light. You're not looking at people. You're looking at light. So none of it's real in any way, shape or form. However, we're really good at imagining and we think it's real. So there's that. So the producers reached out to my agent because the producers are smart. They know that most most people with a talent are willing to stand in a line for eight hours for the 30 second shot to be in front of not even the judges, but a producer. So they know that they've got a constant flood of of the riffraff. Well, OK, but we also have a multimillion dollar TV show to make. So, you know what? We want to make sure we have some some talent, talent that is professional quality. So let's go farm a whole bunch of performers. And how do we do that? We go find the agents. Then the agents go, all right, everybody, it's that time of year again where America's Got Talent is looking for fodder. So who wants to, to do this? So you schedule your time to go. And even then, it's still a huge hassle. But what's weird is that you go through the first four rounds in one afternoon. They're like, hey. Uh, here you go. Wow. Here's your, here's your room. And it's two producers, one camera guy, a total of three people in this half ballroom and you standing there. So then as a mentalist, you go, you know, I, I'm a mind reader. 
I could tell you what I'm thinking, but that's not impressive. It's only cool if I tell you what you're thinking. So I need the help of a mind. So you've got a 33% chance that you're going to be involved. So who's it going to be? And then a producer's like, I'm game. Let's let's go. So you do your act for two audience members and one participant. Then they go, oh, that was great. Can you do that again? You go, absolutely. When? They're like, well, we'll tell you. Then you wait for an hour in a, in a in a room full of a whole bunch of other freaked out performers that are like, oh, my God, this is my chance. So then all these very hyper performers are are nervous. So now the nervous chatter is there and everybody's talking that I'm just sitting there being like, I, I got to conserve my energy, man. Like this is this is a lot. I'm an introvert over here. Stop exactly. talking. Exactly. Just like just leave me alone, man. I, I know you have a fascinating story. We all do. That's why we're all trying to be on television. OK, cool. So it comes across as very antisocial because it is. And then a producer, somebody different with a clipboard and a headset. So that's how you know they're a producer. They come and you're like, are you Johnny? And you're like, yeah, you're like, come with me. And you're like, cool. So then they take you to a second room and now there's eight people behind the tables and three cameras. And you're like, all right, this is kind of cool. Then you go through your spiel, you do your shtick and everybody laughs. And you're like, oh, this is great. Can you stick around? You're like, yep, this is the only thing I have to do today. I go, cool. So then they put you in another holding room. An hour or two goes by and then a producer shows up, somebody with a clipboard and a headset. Jonathan, Jonathan I'm sorry. I got to yeah. interrupt you and find out, are there snacks? No. No snacks? No. Don't. Okay. Even if there were snacks, don't <laughs> eat them. Because? Because you start salivating. You get uh, bits in your teeth. Then you start you start messing up and you're like, I'm, I'm sorry, guys. Can we take that over? And like, that's uh, the three seconds that makes it on national television. Got it. So no carbonated beverages. Don't eat anything. Oh, no, I'm hungry. So what? Like, that'll help give you an edge. So the rule is never eat before going on stage or in front of a camera. It's like right now I've not eaten anything all day because I know I have to be in front of a microphone and wow. not be salivating everywhere. And, and Christopher, Christopher Christopher has food brought to him while he's on camera. That's right. Right. Yeah. Like he's been eating grapes. Uh, somebody's <laughs> been feeding him grapes from out, off camera. It's it's That's very right. distracting. I'm I'm working on my producer. I, I just decided I wanted to be a producer. So I found perfect. Yeah. Producer. Like I am trained to follow you no matter what you do, no matter what you say, you're in charge here. Now I'll just follow you. So, yeah. So that's that's kind of the broad strokes is you. I've already gone through two rounds. Uh -huh. Then they take me upstairs to that big holding room that has the big America's Got Talent in lights and, and everything. And then they go, OK, so now we're going to shoot some B-roll. So it's it's all a big orchestration that all the other performers are there to help you out, too, because they know that you're going to help them out. So it's this big we're all in this together. So they say, all right, sit here in the chair. And the act that I was doing involved balloons. So they were like, OK, so so blow up the balloon. So I blow up a balloon and they go, OK, that was a little quick this time when you blow it up, tie it off kind of at head level look at it, then put it down. Like you're, you're considering it and you're like, okay, cool. And then they're kind of like, oh, wait, a uh, berserker strength training guy. Can you sit right here in the foreground to add some depth? And, and it's all choreographed. It's all arranged to create maximum impact. So you go through all of that 
before you get the call, like, hey, we want you to go to New York for taping in front of the judges. So it's a multi-month process and there's no guarantees. And you're hyper aware that there's always a camera everywhere that might catch anything that you do. So you are meta aware of how normal you have to be because you're on camera. If you lose track of that, oh, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick my nose for a minute. That's the two seconds that makes it on air. So you have to understand that you are in charge of representing yourself to the world, even though you give up control to the producers, you want to give them as little opportunity to misframe you uh, as possible. So it's kind of a weird cat and mouse game where you understand this is a big machine that that is going to grind me up. They I am not in control here. So I'm going to need to manage what little I can in order to give myself the best opportunity to make it through this. So it's a it's a huge learning process and just part of the business that you either get used to or you don't and then flame out. Would you do it again? Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> it, it would be it, it would be a lot of fun. Uh, however. Just just uh, a couple weeks ago, one of my best friends, we've known each other for 16 years now, maybe longer. Uh, he's a behind the scenes consultant for performers. So if you've seen magic on television, he is probably 95 percent uh, likely that he's working right behind the camera to help help the magic that you're seeing be better. So he's he's worked with performers that have been on uh, Penn and Teller Fool Us. He was also just off camera this year when a magician won America's Got Talent. Uh, the magician was doing a trick that he invented 20 years ago in his parents' basement. So it's just kind of cool to see all that unfold. And now knowing that that's that's my crew like those are the people i have who i can rely on uh yeah into the breach once more let's let's do this so i want to i don't want to leave without having now that we've talked about your sort of so uh showbiz bona fides you made a choice to get into coaching and consulting and what's the what's the parallel what can we learn from you and from your journey Mainly, it it ties into you find what you look for. And if you only look for success in the way you think it should look, you're always going to miss bigger opportunities. So for a long time, I knew I was a performer. I'm an entertainer. That's what's taking me around the world and is my sole source of meaning and fulfillment. And this is what I do. And I would have huge opportunities and then eight months of nothing, just twiddling my thumbs and spiral out, which I would drink and party. And that wasn't serving me well. So there was a lot about the glamorous lifestyle that was not so glamorous to actually be living through. Add to that, one of my main circuits, one of the main kinds of places I would perform is at colleges. So I'm I'm booked to come do the Thursday night entertainment slot. So uh, last week they had a juggler. This week you're the mind reader. Next week we've got a comedian coming in. Okay, cool. 
So I would do my show and the message of my show, if if I had to make it explicit, is that you can do more than you ever thought was possible. It's literally your imagination limits what you think you can accomplish. So through this show, I'm just showing you what you can do that you didn't even know that you could do, because my goal is to be the facilitator for my participants to be the stars. I know I'm great. I don't need to prove it to you. I know that my skills can be best put to use showcasing a perfect stranger being awesome. Like to me, that's that's a cooler show. So then I'm signing autographs afterwards and talking to these college kids who are saying, man, I can't even imagine doing what you do for a living. And then that's what I'd have the conversation like, well, I grew up in a trailer park on a dirt road in the mountains of North Carolina. My dad worked in factories. My mom's secretary. Uh, We were poor, but we had a lot of love. But that's not a good setup for being a world traveling performer. Okay, so I talked to him through that. Then a year, two years after after I started doing college work, I start getting emails from students going, hey, I don't even think you remember me, but you came to my school and you talked to me for 10 minutes afterwards and it made all the difference in the world. Here are the changes I made and things are awesome because of what you shared with me. And that was the moment where I went, oh, okay, this is this is important stuff to share with the world because not everybody had my mentors. Not everybody has had my experiences. Not everybody has my expertise in studying human psychology for coming up on 33 years now. I started when I was about five years old. I'm 38. So realizing that it wasn't just interesting, but valuable and useful to people. That was the first moment when I thought, okay, if I teach people the way that I think about stuff, it'll help them out. That's when I started transitioning into the corporate world. And then I really started taking off, making a lot more money, helping a lot more people, doing a lot more meaningful work besides just being the rock star. So being the rock star is still one of the revenue streams, is still one of the things that I do. But the most valuable way for me to spend my time is to share as much of this as I can with teams that make the world a better place. So that's the the win-win-win scenario because I'm having fun. The team is more effective. The CEO benefits. All the customers and clients of that company benefit from better quality service. Then all of their families are benefiting. So it's it's kind of like a, a 50 times win-win-win multiplier at multiple fractal levels of awesome better than will it help my bank account. So that's that's why I shifted into the training, the speaking, building out courses, writing books, and trying to share as much of, of this information as I can before I, I, I'm no longer on planet Earth. You have, I don't know if you have more, I'm looking at your website and you have four books. Are there more than four or is that... Those are the ones I'm proud of. All right. Sounds good. I think like a mind reader, perfect recall, learn like a mind reader and Wing Chung. Is that how you said? Yeah. Yep. Um, I want to, I'm curious about if, if somebody was going to grab one of these, which one, let's, let's speak to coaches. If a coach was going to read one of these books, which one, why? 
And outside of these, you talked a lot about psychology. What's a book that you would recommend for a coach to pick up that would support them in, in learning about the things that you've kind of shared today? The, there's one book that answers all of those questions, which is Think Like a Mind Reader. You'll find some stuff that you already know and you're like, oh, yeah, cool. That's it's it's cool to see it from this perspective. And then there's some really interesting insights from the world of mentalism that you're not going to see anywhere else because you're not a world class mentalist. I am and I want to I want you in on on what it can help you do. So think like a mind reader is the one that I would recommend to most people. Additionally, baked into the pages is a method for reading your friends' minds. So the book itself is the tool that you can use to just freak your friends out. And the process of learning how to do that is the process of becoming a better communicator. Because at first, you're going to try it, and then your girlfriend, your spouse, your friend is going to go, that was that supposed to fool me? I, I like, what, what were you doing? It's just a weird performance art kind of a thing. Then you'll, you'll nail it, but then it'll just be a trick and people go, okay, how did you do that? Like, what's, what's the trick here? Then you keep working at it. Then you'll be able to present it in the right way where it's just a miracle. The book doesn't even filter into it. They'll just remember that you read their mind and it's not that you did anything different. It's the way that you did it. And that's a huge lesson. For that reason, there is no digital version of that book. You can't get the Kindle and be like, yeah, I'm going to speed read it. No, you can only get the physical copy because I don't want to rob you of the most valuable lesson it has to teach you. I love that. What about the book outside? And what's a book that's not yours? Uh, Think Like a Mind Reader would be the one that I would suggest about. No, <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> there, yeah, there, there's a um, there's an old old standard uh now the richard cialdini's influence that's a that's a fantastic book it's it's the best peek into the power of persuasion that doesn't come from the world of magic and magicians or nlp yeah i really appreciate right that. right and nlp its roots are really really strong however most of what you would see called NLP nowadays is a photocopy of a photocopy of a photocopy of of somebody's one weekend. I'm going to scribble this down and call it brilliant. Uh, it's it's just don't waste your time on it. However, it can be super powerful if you understand what works about it and then kind of see see into it to understand how it works. Then you're awesome. Although even if you uh, devote yourself to the originals, a little problematic there too. What with the murder and all. Oh yeah, there's oh. there's the issue of that. Yes, Intri there's intrigue in every direction. Thanks, Alex. Sorry to step on you. You have a podcast. Wait, there's so many things, right? There's courses. There's books. There's podcasts. What's you want to tell us a little about? Like, what do you do? On, do you do tricks on the podcast? Do you interview? <laughs> what, what happens? <laughs> we just no. want to know how it's better than this. Go ahead. Uh, I don't think it is that that's me being, being <laughs> humble. The, uh, <laughs> no, there, there aren't really tricks on, on the podcast because it's, I see my role as a facilitator of being able to ask interesting questions uh, to guests 
that they don't usually get. So it's an interesting experience for them to have their brain picked by a mind reader. Just kind of cool. So I don't even really bring up the mind reader angle on that podcast. It's it's called Elite University. And the idea behind that is I'm literally world class at what I do. There isn't anybody else that could even come close to being me because I'm me. My friends are the world's best at what they do. And when you operate at that kind of a level, you're not doing stuff that most people do. You're not thinking the way that most people think. Your your peer group shrinks radically. And not everybody has the benefit of having world-class friends, even if they have world-class ambitions. So the goal of, of the podcast is just to share how awesome people think about life and opportunity and their background and how they were able to accomplish what it is that they did. So I, I talked to former Navy SEALs, eight-time world record holders, uh, AI experts, um, just a, a whole whole suite full of awesome, interesting people. Should we talk about in our last few minutes the escape pod store or should you read my mind? Oh, man, the escape pod store. That is a very, very deep rabbit hole. Yeah, um, it looks like it. People okay. should go to the escape pod dot store and yes, be confused. So, so long story <laughs> short is that most people seem to agree that social media is busted that the incentives are out of whack and it rewards really antisocial behavior and and that kind of a thing. Well, weirdly, those behaviors emerge from technological challenges that companies like Facebook and Twitter are solving because those technological challenges are really tough. Namely, how do I know it's you online? And the way that the internet is set up at its fundamental level, HTTP, IP, TCP, all those protocols are functionally infinite. So I can grab another identity and then use it to connect to you. So I could misrepresent myself a million times over, overload your server and make it crash. So how do I authenticate identity on this thing called the internet? Turns out that running a server based on traditional internet technology is really tough, which is why you need an entire corporation full of engineers to solve those problems. That's how you get Facebook. So we outsource that issue of authenticating identity to the engineers at Facebook. In exchange, all they ask is to own all of your data and be the intermediary between you and all your relationships. When I send you a message on Facebook Messenger, I'm not sending you a message. My profile is being allowed to write data to a row in a database that Facebook is allowing you access to read that information on their database full of information that is theirs, not yours. So we don't have a relationship. We have a relationship with Facebook that Facebook allows us to connect to each other through. So all of our relationships have a third person in the room listening to everything that we say. Your most private conversations and relationships 
daddy Facebook is always in the room knowing everything. And even if you're not trying to be sneaky, that's really weird, really weird. So the escape pod store, the whole goal is to make it simple enough for a muggle like me to run my own server that only talks to other servers like it. And I know you have yours. So when I'm talking to your server, I know I'm only talking to you. Nobody else is involved. And it's on a protocol that just piggybacks on the existing busted infrastructure with an encrypted end-to-end communication channel that now I own all my own data because I only use that to talk to other people who are just as weird as I am. So if you want to escape the burning internet, then hop in your escape pod and punch out. This this just was so much more technical than I than I was. <laughs> and that's that's in the best layman's terms that yeah. I figured out how to do it. Yeah. Wow. Well, people should go to the escape pod store, escape pod dot store. Do people do you pay for this? Is this like a, or is oh, this yeah, like a dearly. good deed to humanity? Oh, no, no, no. This is one of the most valuable services that we could possibly have in the 21st century because our digital existence is almost more valuable than our meat body, right? Like most of our business, most of our relationships, most of our work is mediated through the internet. And every single platform that you log into with a profile and an email is yet another fracture of your digital existence. So what value would it be to own all of that, to reclaim all of that from the ground up? So to me, that it's one of the most valuable things that you can own nowadays. So, yeah, you bet. I'm going to charge you through the nose for that because of what it frees you from. So, yeah, no good deed should be done free because the only way the world works is an exchange of value for value. There is some technical debt you right now need to understand how to use Ethereum and and that blockchain. Um, So it's not quite there for muggles to use quite yet. But that's why we have the passenger set up. If you want us to manage all of that for you and you always own your data, you can always take it home. We're not going to hold it hostage. We actually can't due to the way the technology works. So you could always take it home with you if you want, unlike you, unlike Facebook, unlike Twitter and, and that kind of a thing. So, yeah, it's a. Uh, It's deeply meaningful work in a completely different direction for very weird reasons. See, Alex, if you didn't go to those bachelor parties, you could be doing stuff like this. Truly, Jonathan, it's extraordinary to be with you. You are up to so many good things and so many extraordinary things. Um, Alex, what do you think? Are we are we ready to give them the last uh, you know, at the be- you know how this beginning of this show, we talked about looking at our phones and me not having any idea what I saw. Yeah. I feel that way about the last five minutes. Right. I have no idea what I was just taught. No idea what I just saw online. I'm like, is am I even here with this man? In 15 um, years, it'll make sense. I promise. I don't I don't know that I want it to. I don't know that I wanted the technology that we're in now to, to have made sense. Um, oh, you're speaking to me on such a level because I've been in a conversation of like, do I just delete all this? 
Do I just delete all the social media and get like completely off it and go? No, no. I, I, I'm still on Twitter like crazy most day and I use it as a broadcast medium to signal to people like, Hey, if you want out, there's a way out. So be, be a Morpheus, go live in the matrix for a while and broadcast your, your pirate signal and help people punch out. Jonathan, thanks for, uh, thanks for being here with us. Um, I, there's, I mean, we could go on and on. We could dive down this rabbit hole. You know, you do NFTs, you only take payment in Bitcoin. Like where, <laughs> uh, you speak at, do corporate events, virtual events. I, I feel like the pe- place people need to go because you have a lot of websites is just jonathanpritchard.me. Yep. Um, That's it. And, and if you people, can't, don't if, be, don't be confused. This is not the Stanford geneticist. Not, not that lame with a great degree. That's right. Stealing my, all my evil funding. twin who's smart. No, and right. if, if you, you can't spell Jonathan Pritchard dot me, uh, I, I can read minds.com will redirect you to that. Uh, Chrome will tell you it's a spam thing. We're like, oh, they're trying to steal your information. It's just a redirect. That's that's all it is. So don't don't listen to to Google. Don't listen to don't listen to Google. Give Jonathan Pritchard everything you own. That's right. Uh, he will do good work what, with it in the world. What a great suggestion! But, but Google uh, is my benevolent overlord. I do everything it says. Mm-hmm. No, except sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I don't. I, I I got nothing else. I uh, Jonathan, is there anything you want to leave us with before we say goodbye? Parting thought or shot? Something. For- really, I I'm honored to be invited to share my thoughts. I genuinely appreciate it and. And that's my closing remarks is that, yes, your imagination dictates what you think is possible. And if you don't think it's possible, work on your imagination. Beautiful. Well, thank you, Jonathan. Christopher, another another wonderful episode spending time with you. Um, Should we tell them where to find you? Do we do that if we flip this? Do I tell them where to find you? Uh, you can, you could you could suggest that accomplishment coaching is the world's finest coach training program. And if anybody's interested that we've got programs available still in 2021 at accomplishmentcoaching.com. Ah, you don't need to. I just did. Yeah. <laughs> Easy and can, enough. And you can find me, Alex Terranova at the dreammason.com. Can check us out every week here on the coaching show. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. That's it for today's episode. Thanks for listening to The Coaching Show. We will talk to you next week.